Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast with Ben Cordes, pastor of Lexington Primitive Baptist Church. And thanks for joining me on the Abundant Life podcast. If you're tuning in, this is the first podcast I've performed uh, for the purpose of serving God and also ministering to the saints of God who desire to learn more about what God's Word has to say concerning the life which He has given to us. I find it a joy and a privilege to be able to speak about the things of God and what His Word has to say, and I hope that this will be a blessing to you, to all those who tune in to listen to the Abundant Life podcast. I've chosen the name The Abundant Life as the name of this podcast because it speaks to us about what it is that the Lord would have us to enjoy concerning eternal life that He has bestowed graciously upon us. Now, what does abundant life mean? Well, we actually get the term abundant life from the gospel according to John, chapter 10. Verse 7, it reads, Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but to for, to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus says that he has a sheep, a group of sheep, that he has made himself the door of. That is to say, the sheep that he has are only coming in to life through him. It's the only way that they have this life. As he says, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. This is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He is the way, as he describes himself in John chapter 14, the way, the truth, and the life. And so what Jesus is referring to here is saying that I have a particular peculiar people, a particular people that uh, I have set out to redeem, to save them, and I am the way in which they will be redeemed. The only way, the only way they're going to have eternal life, the only way they shall see heaven is through Jesus Christ and his gracious act of salvation that he has bestowed upon us. But he also says here that the thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Of course, he's referring to Satan, and this is exactly what Satan wants to do. This is what Satan and his angels, as the Bible describes them, those that work with him, uh, they seek to destroy and to kill, to steal, as it says. But Jesus says, I'm come that the sheep of, of my choosing, the sheep of God, might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So it's not just a life that the Lord gives, but it's also... Uh, an enrichment of that life that he gives to us and in fact can be enjoyed here in this world. We 
ought to understand that eternal life doesn't begin at our death. It doesn't begin whenever we enter into the gates of heaven to the presence of our Father God, but rather eternal life has begun at the point of regeneration when the Savior Jesus calls us out of death and trespasses and in sins and into eternity. Uh, eternal life with Him. And so that's when our eternal life begins, is in fact at the point of regeneration. And when we realize this, what a blessing it is when we see the evidence of how Jesus has worked in our life, where we see the evidence of His regenerating work. That becomes to us a blessing. It becomes to us a, a way of living that we strive for, that we long for, that we desire to have more of. What the word abundant means, as the Lord Jesus says, that they might have life more abundantly, what the word means is plentiful. So what Christ came to do was to give life and to enrich the life that he has given. It is an extraordinary life that the Father has allowed for us to have through his Son, Jesus Christ. It surpasses our common, natural existence. You see, Jesus has purchased our eternal life through his death on the cross and has secured that life for the sheep that he referenced in John chapter 10. And so we understand that it is by the grace of God alone, not by the works of men, that we, the sheep of God, possess eternal life. You see, that alone, that information that we have, is important for us to begin to see that this abundant life is something we can enjoy right now. The abundant life that He has given to us is entered into through the knowledge of grace and through the knowledge of salvation by grace. We begin to see that, in fact, our eternal life that He has given to us is all by the all by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's entirely through His death, through His resurrection. It's all done and accomplished by Christ and that we are simply recipients of His merit. And what a liberating, what a freeing thought that that is and a truth and a reality. It's more than just an idea. It is the reality for all that are saved. Though they realize it or not. The blessing is is that we can know this truth because Jesus clearly says this to us. And then we can also enjoy the fact that Jesus has paid entirely for our salvation. So what we come to see is that our life that we should live in abundance, that one life that is superior than just a natural life or even just an eternal life that we're ignorant of, but it's a, an eternal life that we understand, that we know. And so it also, in turn, causes us to realize, you know what? Life is something that God has given by His grace, so I can't do anything to earn it. What instead we should do, knowing what we know, that salvation is entirely by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we should then live a life of thanksgiving out of love and appreciation for what our Savior Jesus Christ has done for us. You see, that's the beginning of that abundant life. So it's by an act of grace that we have also received the Word of God 
that sheds this light on life and immortality for us. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8-10 through 10 say, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. What this passage of Scripture tells us is that the grace that we have received was in fact given to Jesus before the world began to then be given to us in time. You see, the Lord had always had his sheep in mind. He had them, in fact, included in the covenant to be the recipients of his grace in Christ before the world began. This means that, yes, God the Father and Jesus Christ his Son knew who he was coming to this earth to redeem. He knew, in fact, who Jesus was coming to ransom and to take to heaven to be with him at the last day. So, knowing this, then, uh, the gospel gives to us the light, right? This is what the gospel is, it's what the purpose of the gospel is for. It is that it might shed light on the immortality and the life, the eternal life, the abundant life that the Lord our God has given to us by His grace. So what the gospel is, it's instrumental not in terms of eternal salvation, but rather it's instrumental in the knowledge for us to see, to appreciate, and, and give thanks to God for what He has done, and so that we might live according to that knowledge a life that's more abundant. It's more than just thinking to ourselves that we have to earn our salvation. In fact, it's not that at all. It's a life that's lived in gratitude and thanksgiving to God. So the gospel's purpose is essential if it is that we are going to live an abundant life. So what are some of the ways in which we can live an abundant life? Well, number one, as we've already said, rejoicing in the finished work of Jesus Christ, trusting that the gracious work of Christ's atoning death is sufficient to satisfy God the Father. You know, that really is an act of faith, that we must trust that Jesus Christ has satisfied the wrath of God, satisfied the penalty that was owed and due for us, for the sins that we had committed, that Christ satisfies that. The Bible describes Jesus as being the propitiation for our sins. That means he satisfied God and his wrath. He satisfied the Father because he came to do his Father's will. And his Father's will was that he might seek and save those whom were lost. And so the, the lost sheep God has, in fact, secured, redeemed, and shall never be lost. No man is able to pluck us out of the Father's hands. Nobody is able to pluck us out of Christ Jesus' hands. And so we are safe and secure in that. What a, what a secure way of living, right? What a wonderful 
blessed message that the gospel truly is when taught this way, when believed and understood this way, as the Bible describes our salvation, it truly is the most satisfying news that could possibly come to our ears. So through walking in the Spirit according to God's Word, because we've been given eternal life, we then have the Spirit of God abiding with us. We read in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, the Apostle Paul says this, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. The apostle is telling us that walking with and in the Spirit is part of this abundant life. This is, in fact, something that only people who are already alive in the Spirit can do. You know, we carry with us the flesh nature still. We have this old body that uh, is, is constantly day by day uh, deteriorating. It is, is getting older. Uh, we see the appearance of, of a, and effects of time on our bodies. We have wrinkles. We have gray hairs. We have aching joints. Uh, all these things are evidences that we live in the flesh, but we don't have to walk according to or in that flesh. Rather, what the Word of God tells us is that we ought to walk in the Spirit. I know we can't just ditch our bodies. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, is that sin, as it's taking its effect on the body, doesn't mean that we have to walk in that sinful flesh. What, what we see is that the Spirit of God gives to us a way of living that is far superior than just living in sin or living for the pleasures of sin, which can, of course, bring to us woe and, and, and a quicker deterioration of this old body. The flesh itself, yes, will be with us until the day that it's laid to rest, until it is that it breathes its last breath. But we have the Spirit that lives with us now. If we are born again by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ... It will be with us, and we will be with the Spirit of God forevermore. And we shall never die, as Jesus Christ says. Though this body may fail, we shall always live with the Spirit of God. So some of the ways in which we are led of the Spirit of God uh, are to believe in the Word of God, and to repent of sins, and to be baptized. This is part of living that abundant life and seeing the joys that follow in obedience to God's Word. You see, believing God's Word, believing that salvation is by grace alone, is an act of faith, as we've already said. But when we believe that, we also see that we must walk then in the Spirit of God and the Spirit of regeneration that He's given to us, that new life. We repent of our sins. We repent of the flesh nature that we have. We decide that, you know what, we're not going to live according to the pleasures of the flesh anymore, but rather live for the joy of the Lord. And so part of that, the Lord has said, after we repent, we ought to be baptized. And so in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, the apostle Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Lord's showing us there that there are gifts that come in obedience 
to what the Lord has told us we ought to do. Gift of the Holy Ghost, I, I find that there's joy in the Holy Ghost. I find that there's peace which passeth all understanding in the Holy Ghost. There's a multitude of blessings that we receive in that obedience. We discover them, if you will. It's not that God gives to us because we're so holy and so wonderful, but rather He gives to us because He's a gracious God, and He knows that these things will be a blessing to us because He loves us. And so we discover the blessings of God in obedience unto His Word. Another act of living in the abundant life is the act of worship. In John chapter 4, verses 23 through 24, the Lord Jesus tells the woman at the well, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. Divine holy worship, something that is very sacred in the Christian life. It's something that the Lord says He seeks for people to do. And so there's a proper way to do it. He gives to us two keys to unlock this door of worship. He says it requires spirit and it requires truth. Well, the spirit is what the Lord gives to us in the act of regeneration. It's also a certain mindset, if you will, a way that we enter into worship itself. We don't come to church in order to worship uh, for with a, with a spirit that is angry or bitter at our neighbor. We don't come dreading worship, but rather we come desiring to seek God. We come hoping to give to Him of ourselves, of the sacrifice of, of, of who we are, of a, of a broken and a contrite spirit, of a, a heart that knows it needs God. That's the proper spirit we come uh, into the house of worship with. We also come in truth, as it says, we come according to the Word of God, which is the truth. The Word of God is the truth for our life. If we can't believe anything else in this life, we can at least believe the Word of God because it is the truth. Jesus says that He is the Word, the Logos, as we understand Him. He is that living Word of God. And so because of that, His words are true, and we know that from Genesis to Revelation... And everything in between, it's all true because they are the words of our God. And so we can take that those words are true. The pattern of worship that we have is taken out of the New Testament because we are a New Testament body of believers. The Christians ought to walk according to the New Testament. Though the Old Testament has still a purpose, it serves to edify us and to show us the, the types and shadows of Christ Jesus it, certainly is something we can still learn from today, but our pattern of life uh, that we ought to live in is found in the New Testament in the words of the gospel and the epistles that were given by the disciples of Jesus Christ. Fellowship is another way in which we live abundantly. Fellowship through God's word with Christ and the church. 1 John chapter 1 verses 1 through 4 say that that which was from the beginning, speaking of Jesus Christ, that is, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled, of the word of life. For the life was manifested, 
and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. You see, the Apostle John had the desire for God's people to not just have a little bit of joy, but to rather have full joy. And he said that the only way that this is going to happen is if we understand that there is a fellowship for us to enter into. Now, there's a difference between relationship and fellowship. A relationship must first be established in order for fellowship to occur. You see, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has purchased us, adopted us into his family. He has chosen us, that is, elected us before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blame before him in love. So we are made in a relationship, a family relationship with Jesus Christ, with God the Father, through election, through adoption, through redemption. We have all this because of Jesus Christ. But there's a fellowship that we can also enter into. Now, the fellowship is not essential for eternal life. It's not something we must enter into in order to see heaven, but it's something we can and should enter into knowing what Jesus Christ has done for us, knowing what the gospel says about Christ and his beautiful church. You see, fellowship is something we do centered around the truth, the Word of God. Knowing that Jesus Christ has paid for our sins, knowing that Jesus has redeemed us unto God the Father, when we see this, it causes us to erupt with joy and worship. And it's the same truth that we center around today out of God's Word that the apostles themselves also were glad to rejoice in. And not only did they rejoice in it then and in their day, but they also rejoice in it now still because it is that it's in glory that the apostles, the early disciples, those who have already gone to heaven are still thankful, are going to be thankful and will be always thankful throughout all eternity for the grace that redeemed them that they are experiencing what they are experiencing now in heaven. And see, what we desire is to be there as well. We desire to have that eternal home and to see Jesus face to face. We desire to embrace our Heavenly Father and to give thanks to Him. And so because we long for heaven itself, it's because of grace that we're able to long for that heavenly home. It's because of grace that we also know and understand that Jesus has redeemed us. It's because of the gospel that we look through and see in the light of it the life and the immortality that we do in fact now possess and that we also trust that that gospel, as it tells us, we will possess as well in heaven above by the grace of God. So, as it is that John says... It is that that fellowship is with them, and truly our fellowship, as he says, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. This isn't just a fellowship 
with the saints, but also with God himself. I don't know about you, but enjoying something with God the Father and enjoying something with his Son, that to me sounds like an extraordinary, superior life. It sounds like an abundant life. So fellowship, my friends, it's, it's something that's so important in the walk of a Christian. So when John says that you can have fellowship with us, he's not meaning just fellowship with them back in the first century, but he's talking about fellowship currently now because they are still fellowshipping. Though it is that the location for them has changed, they're not on earth anymore, they're in heaven above, but the fellowship is still being experienced. We can have fellowship with the saints right now because we are all worshiping the same holy God and we're all thankful to Him for the same thing, and that is His amazing love and grace for us. Lastly, we can live an abundant life through good works, and we've already spoken about some good works. Fellowship is a good work. Worship is a good work, but there are other good works that we can do. The Bible tells us that pure and undefiled religion is to care for the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10 say, For by grace are ye saved through faith. We've really kind of elaborated on that. And that not of yourselves, he says. It is the gift of God. So it is by grace that we're saved through faith. Then that not of yourselves, it says that it is a gift of God that points all credit due to Jesus Christ, our God. And just in case we didn't get the clear message, he goes on to say, not of works, lest any man should boast. So then in verse 10, we find what works do accomplish. What are the purpose of of our good works? Well, if it's not for our saving of our souls, if it's not for our eternal redemption, if it is that our good works cannot get us to heaven, but that's all by grace, where do our good works serve a purpose? Well, he says in verse 10 of Ephesians 2, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You see, it's not about our works in getting us saved because it is all of God's work. We are, in fact, His finished product. The redemption of man, the being conformed to the image of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, that's the product of God Himself. We are His workmanship. But we do have good works that we can do. We are now enabled to do if it is that we've experienced the new birth by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We are made alive to do good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. He's told us, even before we were born, that we ought to walk in good works. He's given to us things to abstain from and things that we ought to do, to care for the impoverished, to help those who are without fathers or mothers, to help those and serve those who have lost a husband as a widow has done, or to help those who have lost their spouse. It's an important good work for us to do, and these things bring glory to God. These things also help others to see the gospel being put into action, and that is, it is that we love one another 
as Jesus Christ has loved us. The Lord Jesus has told us that he gives unto us a new commandment, that you love one another with the love that I have loved you with. The Apostle John also says it's a new commandment, but it's not a new commandment. <laughs> the, the commandment truly has been there all along, but yet it's phrased to us in a different way. To love as Jesus has loved. That's an extraordinary thing to do, but it's in fact something we've been enabled to do. Now that we have experienced the new birth that Jesus Christ, by His amazing grace, has given to us life, we ought to live it to the fullest. And truthfully, that's what the abundant life is all about. It's laying hold on that eternal life that we already possess. It's using it for the glory of God. And so, I'll leave you with this, that as it is that we have eternal life, let us not allow for it to sit in the corner but rather, let us strive to live abundantly in the Lord Jesus Christ. We trust in the goodness of His grace. We rest assured in His amazing love. We put away the work of sin and the flesh, and we take up our cross to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in obedience. So, I hope to be an encouragement to you all. I hope that we can together strive to live in an abundant way for the Lord Jesus Christ and to partake of that precious joy and peace which he gives to us by his amazing grace. I'm Ben Cordes, pastor of Lexington Primitive Baptist Church. I appreciate your time and attention. May God richly bless you. I would like to thank you for joining us for today's podcast. The Abundant Life Podcast is a ministry of Elder Ben Cordes, pastor of the Lexington Primitive Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky. You can contact me by email. My address is pastor at lexpbc.org. Or, if you're in the area, come worship with us at Lexington Primitive Baptist Church, 4574 Old Schoolhouse Lane, Lexington, Kentucky, 40513. You may also visit our website at lexpbc.org.